Okay, I'm glad you're here. Uh, we're, we're a week away from Rosh Hashanah, and the way I always think about it is, uh, it's like this journey through the year, and if you, if you kind of want to just kind of put it into um, traveling terms, before we get into Elul, you, we go through the months of Tammuz and Av, heading toward, heading toward the New Year, and Tammuz and Av, everyone knows, is, is sort of this uh, bit of a scary time. It's kind of like you're traveling with your, with your group of people, your group of friends, your family, and you're going through a bad neighborhood. That's Tammuz and Av. And, you know, anytime you go through a bad neighborhood and you're with some people, what do you do? You have to huddle close, right? The answer to all the fixing that needs to be done in Tammuz and Av, the, the fixing for Sinas Chinim, for causeless hatred, Hating people for no reason is to actually causeless love, right? That's what Rav Cook says. That's the answer to causeless hatred, causeless love. So you've got to pull everybody close. So you go through Tammuz and Av and you're pulling everyone close and you've got some unity and finally you break through the neighborhood changes. You're in Elul. And as we say, the, the king is in the field. Normally speaking, the king is in the palace, so if you want to see the king, it's, it's, it's hard to do, because the, how do you get an appointment with the king? It's not so easy. But in Elul, the king is in the field, the, God makes himself accessible in this incredible way. And that's where we are right now, bless you. And it's sort of like this, this urban kind of blight kind of landscape of Tammuz and Av turns into like a field, it turns into a pasture. And at the end of the pasture, in the distance, you can see the palace of the king. And that's where we're heading toward. That's Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, we're entering into the palace of the king. And so with that imagery in mind, I want to share with you just uh, a gematria that, that, that just still astounds me. It's so central from Rabbi Wolfson. And by the way, Rabbi Wolfson has a, a new book in English app on prayer. And uh, I haven't gotten it yet. It's called Service of the Heart. And I highly recommend whatever is in it. I can already tell you it's fantastic. So, so just know that that's out there. Um, most of his writing is in Hebrew. Although you can get on his mailing list, by the way. And that's something that has absolutely transformed my, my year. Um, so, so I recommend that as well. Um, and uh, someone translates his, his Divrei Torah into English that he gives over at the third meal on Shabbos, Shalashudas, and very, very deep, very, very deep, but wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Taurus. But anyway, the new book, Service of the Heart, is available. So Rabbi Wolfson says, remember the imagery that we're in, we've just gone through downtown Detroit, or whatever it is, and now it's sort of like there's this lush field that we're in the middle of, and in the distance is the palace of the king. That's Rosh Hashanah. We're heading toward the palace of the king. And Rabbi Wolfson says that the gematria of Rosh Hashanah is the same as the gematria of Beis HaMikdash. 861. The Beis HaMikdash, of course, is the holy temple in Yerushalayim. So that's an amazing, that's an amazing, amazing correlation. Rosh Hashanah is the same gematria as Beis HaMikdash. Unbelievable. And we know that in Time and in space, remember you have three essential components. The Sefer Yetzirah says that all of reality can be boiled down to 
Makom, Shana, Nefesh. Time, space, and soul. Those are the three essential ingredients of reality. And if you take a concept, you can track it in all three dimensions. So, the base Migdash exists in space, in Makom, in space. And what is the correlation in time to Rosh Hashanah, to rather the Beis HaMikdash? In time, Beis HaMikdash is Rosh Hashanah. So you see how it correlates in time and space. In time, it exists as Rosh Hashanah. In space, it exists as the Beis HaMikdash. Those are two aspects of the same energy in this world. And so it's appropriate that they both have the same gematria, 861. I want to go deeper into that in a moment. But again, just to get back to the visualization, what is that palace of the king that's just ahead that we can see in the distance? And we're getting, every day we're getting closer. Every second that ticks on the clock, we're getting closer to it. That palace of the king is the Beis HaMikdash. That is Rosh Hashanah. And all of us, the amazing thing is, whether you're traveling quickly or whether you're traveling slowly, all of us are going to reach it at the same time. All of us are going to reach it at the same time. That in itself is, is quite an interesting idea, you know. It's said by the man, the bread that fell from heaven, that the people who gathered more than an omer's worth, you're supposed to gather an omer, those who gathered more than an omer, when they got back to the tents, all they had was an omer. They didn't. Those who gathered less than an omer, when they got back to their tent, they had an omer. So everyone had what they were going to get. Amazing thing, and everyone got an omer. So it's the same thing whether you're running quickly or you're going slowly. Either way, all of us reach the palace at the exact same time. The palace of the king on Rosh Hashanah itself. Now I want to go deeper. I was thinking about this. 861. And that's again the number which is the same number of Rosh Hashanah and Beis HaMikdash. I was thinking, well, that number must be so significant. What is it? What is it saying? And so, in my own limited way, I try to make sense out of that number. Now, you have different systems of gematria. One of the systems of gematria is called Mispar Kutten. Mispar Kutten means the, 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 small, the small count, the small number. And what you do is basically you add all the numbers until you have one figure. And then that one number left is going to give you an insight into, into, the, uh, into the essence of the thing itself. Sometimes, by the way, misparkutin means like if you have, for instance, the number 100, you just drop the zeros. But again, if you do 1 plus 0 plus 0, you get 1. So it's, it's the same idea either way, okay, whether you have zeros or not. But anyway, let's go back to this number, 861. 8 plus 6 is 14, plus 1 is 15, right? 8 plus 6 plus 1 is 15. Now, you, now we have 15, 1, and 5. Now we have to get that together. So 5 plus 1 is 6. So the Mispar Kutten of Beis HaMikdash and Rosh Hashanah is 6. Alright, so now let's... Let's see what, what, what that has to say for us. Because you'll see that there's a lot of essence for both of these ideas in this number six. Okay? 
Let's start with Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is what day of creation? It's the sixth day of creation. So perfect, right? I mean, it's exactly right. So, so a lot of people, they don't, they don't fully understand that Rosh Hashanah, even though we're celebrating the creation of the entire universe, and that's actually very much accurate, that's 100% true, nonetheless, when do we mark our awareness and our celebration of the creation of the universe? It's when human beings are created, since human beings are the goal of creation. They're the purpose of creation. So that happened on the sixth day. That's when Adam and Chava, men and women, were created on the sixth day. So it makes sense that Rosh Hashanah, if you boil down the gematria of Rosh Hashanah, it happens, it's the number six, because Rosh Hashanah is observed on the sixth day of creation. Very, very exact. That means, by the way, that the world itself was created on the 25th of Elul, which I don't know what today is, but... It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday, okay. So this Wednesday, 25th of Elul, which is the first day of creation. Let me go into something uh, a little bit deeper from a more Kabbalistic perspective. We have this idea, it's um, Kabbalistic uh, terminology, but I'll, I'll try to explain it to the, to the extent that, that I understand it. There's a concept in Kabbalah called Adam Kadmon. And Adam Kadmon um, is, is the initial stage where the infinite presence of God, remember, because before you have creation, you have the infinity of God, right? So God existed, obviously, before the world itself was created. And before the world was created, all that existed was God. In fact, we say on the first day of creation, it's referred to as Yom Echad. And the Echad refers to the oneness of God because only God existed before the world was created. There were no other powers. Okay. So now, you have to imagine, to the best of our ability, and these are all visualizations because God has no form, God has no imagery attached to Him, God is beyond, 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 beyond all of these things. So, don't get confused when we discuss Kabbalistic concepts. These are just metaphors so that the mind in our... Um, finiteness can just grasp certain concepts, but don't take them too literally because otherwise you're putting a form on God and that is completely against Judaism and Jewish thought and what we're striving for right now. So, so there is a moment where the infinity of God contracts itself into the space that eventually becomes this world. There has to be a transition within the infinite into the beginning of the finite. Does everyone hear that? There has to be a transition because we exist in a finite universe. Anything that's physical is finite. So there has to be a transition at some point from the infinite to the finite. Now remember, once God creates the finite, God himself is not um, finite, certainly, and he's not limited by that which is finite. God remains infinite. You see, there's a very important point that, that everyone has to know, which is that 
We, because God fills the entire universe. But we don't say, we don't say that God equals the universe and the universe equals God. Because if you say that, you've already put parameters around God. Who is God? God is the universe. No, no, no. That's not Judaism. That's a completely other religion. That's, that's, that's a heretical thought. God fills the entire universe and exists dimensions beyond, 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 beyond the universe. And the universe itself exists within God. And God saturates all of creation. Hopefully that model is clear, because that's the Jewish model. That's a, that's a very important thing for all of us to grasp. So there has to be some moment where the infinite God, within himself, brings down an aspect of that which is finite. And that's the beginning of the creation of the universe. Yes? You have a confused look. Are you? No, 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 no. no. Okay, good. No, I just want to make sure that everyone is following this. So before the actual, listen carefully, before the actual beginning of the creation of physicality can occur, there has to be the will to create the physical. There has to be the will to create the world itself. All right? Now, this correlates with actually the tip of the letter Yud. Remember, the letter Yud is not just the dot. It's a dot with a little line on the top. So that's very, that's like a model for the universe itself. You have, you have the, the Kav, it's called. It's, it's, it's uh, that, that ray of light which, which precedes any, any, any physical formation. Okay? So before physical creation comes the will, the desire to create. And that's Adam Kadmon. It was the, the, the will that God had, the desire that God had to create a world. And that's the initial step of actually bringing the world into existence. Okay? So isn't it interesting that that will to create a universe is called Adam Kadmon. Adam means a human being. Meaning to say that the entire desire for the creation of the world stems from the fact that God wanted to populate a world with people. Meaning to say that the entire reason why God brought the world into existence is because of human beings. All of us. That was the goal from the very initial part, from the will to create, that caused creation. Do you hear so now, let's return back to this idea that we celebrate the creation of the universe on Rosh Hashanah on the sixth day of creation, which is when human beings were created. Now you hear from the most initial standpoint why that's completely appropriate. Because this was the entire goal of creation itself. Okay. So returning back to this number, Rosh Hashanah, 861, Beis Hamikdash, 861. Now, and of course, the Mispar Kutten, when we add up 8 plus 6 plus 1, we get 15. 5 plus 1 is 6. Rosh Hashanah is 6. That's the sixth day of creation. That's when we're marking Rosh Hashanah. Very good. All comes together. All right. So now let's go to the Beis HaMikdash. Okay? How is the Beis HaMikdash number 6? 
So number six is the letter Vav in the Aleph base. So the base Hamikdash is the letter Vav. Vav in Hebrew is an amazing letter because grammatically speaking, it connects. It's a prefix which means and or, right? Connects two concepts, connects two words, the letter Vav. And of course, the base of Migdash was the connection between heaven and earth. It was that portal, that place where divine energy comes down into this world and connects heaven and earth. Interestingly speaking, the Beis HaMikdash is also compared to a person's neck. It says in the Torah that when Yosef and Binyamin were reunited after the whole story of being sold into slavery and everything like that, they hugged each other and they cried on each other's necks. That's what the Torah says. And if you look at the commentary on that, it says, what were they doing? They were mourning the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. There you see very clearly that the neck is compared to the Beis HaMikdash. And if you think in terms of your own body, your head is like heaven. This is where your brain is. This is where you're able to think very exalted, amazing thoughts. And it connects your head to your body. Your body is something that, that is more earthy, right? It, it, it needs food to keep on going. It's, it's where the source of your desires are. It's your earthly nature. And so the neck you see, which is compared to the base of Migdash, is so to speak the connection between heaven and earth, your head and your body. So it makes a lot of sense that base of Migdash is the number six as well, which is the letter Vav, which is this connection. Now let's go a little bit deeper. We want a connection between Beis HaMikdash and Rosh Hashanah. The fact that these two things have the same number, which means, spiritually speaking, they share the same spiritual DNA, Rosh Hashanah and Beis HaMikdash. Okay, so Rosh Hashanah is marking the creation of the universe. How is the universe created? So we know that the Account, the Jewish account of the creation of the universe actually corresponds, or I should say that the Big Bang theory of creation corresponds almost exactly to, to the Jewish understanding of how the universe was created, which we've been saying for thousands of years, which is that God brought one physical point, like a, the size of a mustard seed, like a tiny point of creation, a physicality into the world, and then he, so to speak, exploded it out. He expanded it and expanded it and expanded it and expanded it until he said this name of God, Shaddai, and that put parameters around the universe. But what's the point? It started with a single physical point. So the rabbis tell us very clearly, what was that point? Don't you want to know? Do you think that point was just... What do you think that point was? you think it was like a rock in Arizona or something like that? Like, I mean, if you think about it, it's amazing to think that they're even asking the question. 
Like if I just heard it was a single physical point, I'd be happy right there. <laughs> I mean, it's quite amazing if you think about it, that they're even asking the question, and it's even more amazing that they have a very definitive answer what that point is. That point was the foundation stone of the Beis HaMikdash. Again, another amazing overlap between Rosh Hashanah, which exists in time, and its correlation in space, the Beis HaMikdash, being the same, not only numerically, but also conceptually. Rosh Hashanah is talking about the creation of the universe. How was the universe created? The single initial point of the creation of the universe was the foundation stone of the Beis HaMikdash. That means, and appropriately so, if you think about it, you have to maybe think about it a little bit, but you, you, you hear something very, very basic from this, which is that the entire universe is one Beis HaMikdash. Isn't that clear? Because if God took the foundation stone of the Beis HaMikdash and expanded it and made the entire universe out of it, what does that mean the universe is? One Beis HaMikdash. Do you hear? It's very clear. Now, I was thinking, listen to this. So, Beis HaMikdash is the number six, right? Now, we have a concept, the Gemara speaks about it, which is we have the Beis HaMikdash below and the Beis HaMikdash above. And there's an amazing Gomorrah which talks about how, how exact the parallel is. I can't quote it off the top of my head, but we discussed it at one point. But anyway, it's a very distinct, definitive structure in the heavenly spheres, the Beis HaMikdash above. Now think about it. We just said that there are, that the Beis HaMikdash is Gematria 861, that adds up to 6. And we know that there's a Beis HaMikdash below and a Beis HaMikdash above. Now, how many Beis HaMikdashes are there going to be? Three. What's three times two? <laughs> six. In other words, the number six correlates with the Beis HaMikdash in a very deep way because there have been we're waiting for the third base of Mikdash. But each time we have a base of Mikdash, we have a base of Mikdash below and a base of Mikdash above. And so if there's a number that should equal the base of Mikdash, it should be the number six, which is the total number of base of Mikdashes that they're going to be. Okay. We'll have to think more about that. So, so yeah, let's review. We have, we have three essential components of reality, according to the Sefer Yetzirah. We have time, space, and soul. And that in itself, I think, is worthy of celebrating 
this, the depth of the Jewish understanding in, in terms of this. Because the little that I know of science, just from my reading and things like this, is science talks about the time-space continuum quite a bit. But we have something deeper than that. We have time, space, and soul. And we know that as physics becomes more advanced, that the human observer element actually has to be factored into the calculations themselves. So that we human beings are actually part of the equation on a scientific level. And here we see that this is reflected in, again, something that we've been saying for thousands of years, that human beings are not just this casual participant in this thing that's much greater called creation, that human beings are the essence of creation. And of course we have to play this essential role in this, in this, in this entire project, because the whole thing was done for us. So it's time, space, and soul. Now, I have to share with you something that blew my mind. Um, and I can't recommend the movie because I haven't seen the movie. But I can recommend the trailer to the movie. <laughs> so I'm removing myself of all responsibility about the movie itself. Because <laughs> I don't know what it says. But I did see the trailer, and the trailer is awesome. It's called Cloud Atlas. And basically, what it's, what it's doing, it was, it's done by the people who did the Matrix which in itself was a kind of very mind-bending kind of movie that I know a lot of rabbis give a shirim on The Matrix in terms of showing the parallels between... I mean, it's a science fiction movie. It's not Torah. But it expresses a lot of Torah concepts in a very original, creative way. Um, and this movie, Cloud Atlas, it started off as a book. I haven't read the book. I can't recommend it, but just telling you about this project has Tom Hanks in it, this movie. And uh, what it does is, it's showing you how all of time is connected. The past, the present, and the future. And it tracks three different storylines. And from the trailer, it makes it pretty apparent, I think that this is accurate, that these characters in the past, then they have different, different actors playing the same characters in the present, and then the same characters in the future. So in other words, if you... We believe in reincarnation. And so what you have here is three different time periods, the past, the present, and the future, with the same souls essentially existing in all these different time dimensions, and each are affecting the other. So, and again, I, I, I'm not offering this as Torah, but nonetheless, let's just hear it as an interesting concept. We know that God exists outside of time. Which means from God's point of view, God sees the past, the present, and the future, and so to speak, they're all happening simultaneously. So this notion that what you're doing right now might actually be impacting your future. But we know that that's true. And there are Midrashim that say things like that. And we know that our future actions can impact our past actions. 
Let me give you a concrete example. There are many, many explanations why the Red Sea split. There's a whole list. If you go through the Torah literature, and I'm sure there are many, many more than I'm familiar with, but I already know of a lot. Okay? There are many reasons why the sea split. One of them is because God saw the bones of Yosef. And because Yosef changed his nature, he didn't allow himself to be seduced by Potiphar's wife. He changed his nature, so God says, so the sea will change its nature. Right? That's one explanation. Another explanation is, is when um, Abraham split the wood for the Akedah. Right? For the binding of Isaac. He, 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 the wood was split to make a fire. Right? That's, that's, it, we came close. He, you know, he was, he was going to do it. So, when it talks about splitting the wood, the same word for splitting the wood is used for the splitting of the sea. So, the Balaturim brings that the merit for the splitting of the sea came from Abraham splitting the wood. Okay? That's a whole another explanation. Right? But listen to this explanation. This explanation is that the, 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 we offered a half a shekel. Right? A shekel is a coin. So a half a shekel is a split shekel. Right? Because it's just half of a shekel. So according to this explanation, the reason why the sea split was because of the half a shekel that we were going to bring to the Beis Amigdash, to the Holy Temple. Now, if you think about that, wait a second. The sea split in the merit of something that I didn't do yet. <laughs> do you hear? How could the sea split in the merit of something that I didn't do yet? But God knew that we were going to do it. So on some level, because God knew we were going to do it, the merit from the future, saved us in the past. Do you hear? The whole overlapping of time. It's an ama- this is an amazing concept. An amazing concept. So something that you might be doing right now might be saving the lives of your children or perhaps a future incarnation of yourself. This is a very, this is a very amazing idea. So if you look at this trailer, and you know, if you just, I guess, go on Google and do Cloud Atlas, the movie trailer, you'll find this trailer. One of the things that gets brought out in it is just how awesome, and it's like filled with action as people jumping off of buildings and firing weapons and it's like wow you know it's all sorts of things but then you also have like hugs you know you have these moments of caring between people and it's juxtaposed against these climactic other events and what they do in this very visceral amazing way is to show you the absolute importance and the huge impact that comes from acts of love and caring for each other. That these aren't little small things like, well, I had nothing to do. I'm sitting around the house, so I gave my kids a hug. <laughs> it's like, no, I was in my house, and then I gave my kid a hug. And I told them how special they were. And I told them that I loved them. 
wow. And then that, that reverberates through time. After I saw it, I came home. I saw it a couple of days ago. came home. My daughter came home from school. She wasn't feeling well. and She was okay, but, you know, she, she, she just uh, needed to come home. So, you know, I said, why don't you take a nap? So she says, okay. She gets in her pajamas. She, takes, she lies on her bed. It's the middle of the day. And she says, uh, can you read me a bedtime story? And I had gotten a late start that day, and I hadn't done any work yet, and I was really feeling some pressure, and like, oh, I've got to get some work done. And it's not bedtime. I really don't owe you a bedtime story, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I don't know how much time this is going to take. And somehow I just flashed on this story of, wait a second, this is exactly the thing that changes everything. That, that hug is the thing that actually, it's not a little thing. You know, like, God, so to speak, I don't want to say he tricks us, not tricks us in a malicious way, God forbid. God loves us, but God creates reality in such a way that sometimes we don't realize the true value of something. Like, it gets hidden, it gets buried, and it's up to us to maintain focus so that we can, so that we can redeem those, those moments. And so I thought about this, like, wait, this might be a huge thing, I thought to myself, you know? And so I grabbed a book off the shelf, and it, it was a pretty short book, but it's got, like, fantastic illustrations, so you get a lot of bang for the buck for each page, you know? <laughs> and um, and I, I just kind of went through the book, and it was a little too sunny in the room. Like I say, it was in the middle of the day. So I just... She probably would have been able to take a nap either way. But I just lowered the shade so it was kind of dark in the room. It was easier to take a, a nap. And I read the book. And then I hugged her. And she was so happy. And I walked out of the room and I thought to myself, how long did that take? I made a little calculation in my head. And it was something like three minutes like three minutes and then she went to sleep three minutes I grew up on 79th Street and Broadway and um, it was a very special building and from from it had a courtyard a very large courtyard in the middle which is very unusual for uh, Manhattan uh, the building's a landmark. It's a really, it's an amazing, amazing building called the Actorp. And uh, anyway, uh, we, we lived sort of like at the back of the courtyard. So in order to get to Broadway, in order to get outside the building, you had to walk more or less a block within the building, through the building, outside. And of course, if you walk through the building, a lot of your neighbors are also walking through the building. It was a large building, you know, like it was big, four separate wings. And so you'd see other people. And so you might just want to get out of I'm just trying to get out of the building, you know. But suddenly you run into this neighbor, you run into that neighbor. And I remember my father used to say over and over and over and over again, 
You're not too busy that you don't have five minutes. You're not too, I don't care how busy you are, you have five minutes to say hello to another person and to just acknowledge them. You have that time. You do. You know? So, so that, that really stayed with me. That really stayed with me. And you know, if we, if we were to just create a category for these type of things, these are the little things that are the big things. Or perhaps the little things that are the giant things. And we have to validate that within ourselves and, 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 and realize that because society is not going to realize it for you. And then when you realize it, other people are going to realize it too. And that's the, that's the, the incredible domino effect of all of these things that we talk about all the time. That when you begin to live these things, then other people start to live them also. Because there's a ripple effect for all of these things. Because a lot of people are going through life, and on some level this is all of us, and they don't have a clue. You know? Society itself used to have a much clearer moral compass, they call it. In other words, right and wrong was much clearer. And maybe there were problems in how they articulated it and taught it and and formulated exactly what was right and exactly what was wrong. But those things aside, at least you had the general path. Now, people are sort of just dropped off in the middle of the forest and said, good luck! (laughs) See you after 120. Hope you make it. That's today. That's today. So, if you can somehow model certain behaviors, if people can see them in you, then something inside of them resonates. And they go, oh yeah, that's right, that's, that's right. That's, that's the right thing. That's the right thing to do. So it's critically important, actually. Now more than ever. Now more than ever. All right. Um... We'll just wrap it up. Again, understand that Rosh Hashanah and Beis HaMikdash are these partners, one in time and one in space. That which is the newness of creation, the renewal of the universe in time, in space is the Beis HaMikdash. And they're both 861, which boils down to the number 6. Rosh Hashanah is 6 because human beings, the goal of creation, Adam Kadmon, right, happens on the 6th day of creation. 6 is also the letter Vav. And that's what the Beis HaMikdash is. That connection between heaven and earth. And I'll just finish with this One teaching, I saw it in the name of a very great classic rabbi. I I think it was the Ramchal, but I have to double check that. And he says that in the time that the Beis HaMikdash, the Holy Temple, doesn't exist, we said that that's where, where the flow from the heavenly light would come down into this world. 
That was the channel. That was the vav that it would cha- that would come down into this world. So, in a time when there's no base amigdash, what is that channel for the light from above to come down into this world? And the answer is through righteous people. So, every single person is that channel right now for that light to come down. And the more that we purify ourselves, the more that we elevate ourselves, the more we become the channel for that light to enter into the world. And this world needs so much light. Let's be those channels.